Welcome to the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. This is a show about how to build an esports business from literally anywhere in the world, where each week we showcase the journey of one inspiring esports entrepreneur and learn how they solved a particular problem that everyone will ultimately face. And now, to your host, Tom Leonard. Hey there, I'm Tom Leonard. I'm the host of the Gamers Change Lives podcast. When it comes to esports, I'm definitely not the expert. I'm more of an explorer. The goal behind the podcast is to hear from esports entrepreneurs from all over the world, to hear their stories, to learn how esports can create jobs, and to hopefully inspire others to do the same. Our tagline is play games, create jobs, change lives. Today, I'm honored to have Ulysses Fennert, Santiago, Chile, and I'm going to have him pronounce his name because it sounds really, really good when, when he pronounces his name. He's the founder of Now Play No Games and has many years of experience in a wide variety of esports ventures. Welcome, Ulysses. Thank you very much for having me, Leonard. It's to talk with you. Yes. Now, I saw your vision of creating content for esports to generate 100 million views around the world. And we'll talk about that in a minute because that's, that's, that's a great goal there. But first, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about um, sports in your part of the world. Now, are you in Chile right now? I'm in Chile right now, yeah. Great, great. You're the first guest we've had on the Gamers Change Lives podcast from South America. So can you, can you describe a little bit about what esports, what, what's going on with esports in your part of the world? Okay, um, after we have like a, a big push in 2019 from companies like Riot, Garena, uh, EA, and like all the major companies, I uh, was trying to develop like an ecosystem here and everything, but after the the COVID starts, the pandemic hits, everything uh, start to growing like slow, and like the, uh, at my opinion, like the all the effort for from the United States company went over Brazil, looking for big audience numbers and everything, and right now. We are like a little bit under the weather here in Chile, Argentina, uh, Peru, Colombia, uh, because there's um, initiatives on esports from like the big companies, but it's not enough and the ecosystem is not growing at the same uh, rhythm or level that uh, was supposed to be or, or in comparison with the United States or, or other parts of the world. Right now, we are like a little low. Got it. Got it. Could you describe for the audience here a little bit more about South America? Because a lot of times we think of South America as being one, just one big place. But like, but what I hear you describing is you have Brazil and you have other countries. Can you kind of describe the difference between some of the countries there? Oh, okay. Uh, one important difference is like the language barrier. In Brazil, they speak Portuguese. And in the other rest of the countries here in Latin America, we speak Spanish. And for that reason, that, that is the first big difference to understand like Brazilian market. They are like another things to, to, to see and to, to try to understand. But on the other hand, uh, we, we have some other difference like the, uh, for example, the internet connection over the places like the Chilean, uh, from my country, we have the best internet, uh, about quality, uh, speed and everything than Brazil or Argentina or Peru or Uruguay. And for example, Mexico that we consider as Latin America too, uh, they, they have some 
pretty big uh, uh, a strong point over being around like United States market. And for example, the riot officers, uh, they take it from Santiago to Ciudad de Mexico two years ago because they want to develop like a strategy over there with North America uh, division. And they are trying to do like another thing from Mexico. And we have like that kind of difference uh, about the audience numbers, internet connection, internet speed, and the possibility that people have to buy video games or to having video games because the economic difference between the countries. Now, that's, that's interesting. One of the things that we hear a lot from, uh, particularly from some of the guests that we've had in uh, Africa, is that it's the location of the servers are so important to how, how you know, what the ping rate is for wherever you are. And some of the, in um, sub-Saharan Africa, for example, where, where, where uh, Reginald is, is at, a lot of times the ping rate is, is, is so much slower when they are trying to play people in, the, in, the UK, um, in Europe or in other places. There's some servers, I think, in South Africa. But is are ping rates an issue in your part of the world? Yeah, that, that's, that's quite funny here in Chile because uh, over that problem, we developed like a series of players that overcame this problem and they are pretty good with that ping difference. And games like League of Legends and like FIFA and other, uh, they uh, learn how to play with that big difference in Chile. Uh, it's a thing, but right now, uh, like the big competitions are like in physical places. Um, they uh, struggle with that kind of difference during this competitions over Rio de Janeiro. Uh, for example, next month, uh, sorry, on August. We are going to have a festive game again after being shut down for two years because the pandemic, the festive game is the second most large uh, video game exposition or exhibition here in Latin America. And we are going to have like the physical event uh, this year again. That, that sounds great. Do you think, do you think there are going to be changes in, in, in the hardware, in the location of servers? Do you think it's going to change or do you think it's going to stay pretty much the same? To be pretty honest about like the server location, and I'm not an expert in that field. I have like the minimal knowledge about it. And for what I, I know right now about Microsoft and everything, there's no will be changes in the, in the near future. Got it. Got it. No, it's really interesting that you bring up the fact that uh, training with a bad ping rate can make you really good when you go to some place where the ping rate is good. I always go back to the example with Anubis. Anubis in, in Egypt, and they were you know playing Valorant, and then they they got to the the uh, Red Bull Campus Clutch in Spain, I think it was, and it's like the ping rate was so much better. And but they they had trained just like you're describing, trained with a not so great ping rate. So so it, you know they were a great team for all kinds of reasons, but it certainly didn't hurt them that they had that kind of uh, of training there. Do you think of um, Mexico as being different? in the esports world than um, in South America? Um, Mexico is like uh, quite similar to Brazil because the big numbers about audience they can bring into the table for that reason is a, a very important market. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's quite important and can make a difference between like the other Latin America places because they have like a deep knowledge 
about the show business, uh, with music, with the movie industry that you know pretty well. Uh, they, they already know how to do some things that in other places in Latin America, we, we don't have culture about that kind of businesses. And for that reason, Mexico is a strong, have a strong potential over the uh, esports development. It, do you find that in your part of the world, are, are there government organizations that play a big role in esports? This is a really good question because I start my work on esports as a lobbyist, trying to uh, go with the government and ask them to have an opinion over the esports development. Uh, we uh, reunite like three times with the people from the sport minister, uh, and they have a pretty a small view over the the esports phenomenon and f from like the industry because they don't understand this as an industry uh they was trying to develop programs to keep people moving uh take uh, the people from the seats and make him go to do physical activity and for that reason they never understood really well about what esports is meant to be or wh what is developing right now around esports but we was like working uh i think my last meeting with them was like two or three months ago uh in the public uh lobby register is is registered that meeting and we changed our government here in chile uh, five months ago, and the new government have like a youngest vision over the industry, and they they know that there's a opportunity, and we will like to present a esports law in the Congress or something like that because we are seeing that Spain have that, uh, Brazil have that about like the visa sponsorship. Uh, it's really important to get the players uh, going abroad and all that kind of things that can uh, result quite difficult to develop without the without the government understanding and support of the government. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. We were talking with uh, Mitch Esquera from Galaxy Racer and talking about because Galaxy Racer appears to be doing tremendous things with different government agencies and and they're huge. So I mean. You know, they, they get a lot of attention. But but he was describing the fact that governments need the esports players. They need to to, you know, be talking to the younger audience. And the he felt that the that esports needed the government to give them more legitimacy as far as in the in the industry. So it's just interesting to hear how it's working in different countries because in the United States we the government does not play much of a role when it comes to esports. Um just, just the way that that it is organized. Now, I want to ask also about because I know when we talked before, you were doing many different things in different different cultures, and can you describe a little bit about how you can work in esports across different cultures? Because a lot of the people that we're talking to, let's say they're, if they're in Africa, for example, if you're in Africa, you might be in West Africa speaking French, Central Africa or East Africa speaking English. And so on. Can you explain a little bit how you see esports being able to communicate across different languages? That is a pretty interesting thing to to speak about because, uh, first of all, as a gamer, 
you speak like the international language of the game that you want to play or where your friends had and every everyone uh, around the world that play Call of Duty know some kind of gameplays or some kind of stuff you can do and you can communicate just playing that and that is the magic of the video games and you have the, like all that development of the culture of the of the group uh, identity you already have it constructed by the video game itself and for that reason it's really easy to work abroad or with intercultural connections over esports uh, for me it was pretty easy to establish uh india team uh united states team or uh, spain team uh with spain is more obvious that is is easy because we speak spanish as a mother language but uh after that like everyone in all the world uh, you should know pretty well the, the case in africa but every part of the world there are gamers or communities are people trying to work in this uh, and work without money flow and like everyone is like so excited about what is coming in the for the industry uh which uh companies will going to stand with leaks uh, as operators uh this uh maximum care that everyone have with the uh gambling uh companies over the esports and for that reason it's like the the industry is pretty magical at this time because everyone is trying to do something uh with the best uh, intentions and with a few resources If you see the the case, it's not so different. Maybe in Europe or other other places, that it's okay. Uh, United States and Europe and China are being like the leading about raising investment on esports and everything. But there's a lot of people from that places that is trying to do things for free, trying new tournaments, trying new um, new games. Uh, trying to develop uh, develop uh, skillful players to go around and try to uh, earn some some prizes, and for that reason, it's like pretty magical about like the multiculturalism that came with esports in this stage of the industry. Yeah, that, that yeah, you're you're talking very much like Mitch was when he was talking about the people in uh, in the Philippines. He was using the Philippines as an, as an example. They would watch the players from Thailand to learn from them, learn from their videos. It's like it didn't make any difference that they couldn't speak any of the language, but you know they're learning their Mortal Kombat moves and and everything uh, along those lines. What what games are popular in uh, esports in your down there? We follow the lead over like the most important markets. Number one still being uh, League of Legends. Uh, um, today you have uh, Apex Legends in a pretty good position over uh, popularity of the game. Uh, Call of Duty is another uh, one that you can always have on top. Uh, the FIFA soccer uh, game is pretty popular here in Latin America. Uh, there are, are a lot of people trying to do uh, leagues and everything about that. Uh, Rocket League is another big title. 
and it's like the same uh, uh, if you saw like the ranking of Twitch of, of the content most uh, watched in Latin America we are super good copycats uh, over United States culture we love United States culture uh, and video games and everything it's interesting you, br you bring up Twitch what what platforms do people use to stream sports there? Is Twitch popular? Not, not so popular. It's popular between gamers, yeah. But it's not quite popular like mainstream. Uh, that is a position that Twitch cannot uh, feel complete until this moment. Uh, there are like a lot of... Um, streaming platforms trying to take that market share or that audience and nobody is really taking that because the audience is going like everywhere facebook gaming uh youtube gaming and everything uh, twitch is quite popular as i told you with the gamers like with the hard gamers uh we have uh for example three or four like good streamer that only have their content on Twitch. Aikata is like a, a really big uh, female streamer here that uh, people love her. Uh, she also made to open uh, TV broadcasting from Twitch because she was going so popular on Twitch that one TV channel decided to hire her to the primetime shows and everything. And but but it's quite it's, it's a really good question because uh, nobody is taking like that position seriously, and Twitch is not connecting so good with Latin American community because uh, I think they they have like a depth over a, a speaking uh, Spanish speaking content. Yeah, it, it, we, we get different answers from all around the world, which is always interesting see what uh you know what platform people are using a lot of people seem to be using facebook like you, you mentioned facebook gaming and youtube gaming more than twitch for for all kinds of bandwidth and and uh, other kind of reasons out there for example in peru uh facebook gaming is getting uh, really really big they are getting like 20 or 40 streamers like pretty popular that you connect right now and they have like 50,000 people over their content is crazy the, the the work that Facebook gaming is doing in, in Peru no no it's, it's interesting yeah, yeah just you different you know you'd think that things would be kind of the same but they're um, but they're not for different reasons now I should ask you this at the beginning what got you into esports uh, like a personal path for uh, a love. I was pretty uh, in love at that time when I decided to start uh, working on esports. And because of that, I want to travel abroad to see this person. And for me, it was like a pretty nice idea to start working on esports because it was a, a really open uh, industry of uh, being abroad, doing projects, or going to, I, I don't know, uh, 
there and every country has its own exposition like Festi game here in Chile uh, there is the Brazil uh, Rio game show uh, Cologne in in Dutchland uh, United States day three and, and and so on uh, for that reason I start working on esports because I in that moment I want to travel abroad for personal reasons. And this was a, a really good industry to develop that kind of work of being uh, working abroad in different projects in, in, in several countries as I, I did it in 2018 and 2019 until the pandemic starts and everything kind of stopped. And right now everyone is like uh, traveling again. But uh, in our mission as no playing all games, we are trying to wait a little bit more because we get into a very uh, comfortable position of developing uh, esports tournaments, uh, working like online Zoom and everything, and we are managing and handling that, that really well. That is not so necessary to be traveling all the time again. Yes, different different world that, that's changing all all the time. That impacts everyone. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, now play no games. And you're talking about I still I still like your uh, your your uh, vision there to have a hundred million viewers, current uh, viewers out there. One of the things that we hear about a lot on the, this podcast, the people that we've been lucky enough to talk to, most of them talk about things that are really really big, think really really big. And that's really good because that's where you create jobs and that's where you change lives. And, uh, you know, and some people don't think as big as others. A hundred million, that's a big number. Can you talk a little bit more yeah. about, uh, about what you're up to with that? Yeah. The, the first thing with the 100 million uh, was because uh, as no play no games, we want to be like the company to put together a content uh, for Spanish-speaking uh, markets that can make the esports mainstream, okay? And we understood that esports are not being mainstream because there's something lacks in the in the content that nobody is like feeling that. Uh, and for example, uh, another company that we was looking at in, in Los Angeles was the, the face clan, for example, but they are a team. And after that, we start looking at Ben, Ben TV. I don't know if you know about them. Uh, was like, a, they are trying to develop like a MTV for esports. Uh, B-E-N-N. You can check it later. I'll do that. And we, yeah. Uh, and we start like looking at them because uh, they raise investment and everything. And they are wanting to do something worldwide, but they focus it on the United States uh, market. And for that reason, to us understanding that if we want to break the content barrier to be like real mainstream, real mainstream, like to everyone, to your mother, to to start getting esports and start getting this and uh, share about like the personalities that came in from the video games and make these people uh, real popular. We understand that a good number to do that was making a content that reached 100 millions in one day 
and we are trying to do the research because uh, we are trying to do this with the minimum cost possible, uh, developing content, for example, over India, that is really important about the number because at our, at our final plan, I plan to get at least 8 million of concurrent viewers from India. Uh, right now we are in 1 million with the tournaments with that we are doing like one every four or three months. But we are spending little money about that. We only are spending in prices for the audience, prices for the players, uh, some uh, incentives for like the organizations over there to participate in our tournaments. And we are doing a lot with really few resources. And I'm pretty, uh, pretty happy about that because I'm looking all the time about like these big investment firms that went over esports, and right now the numbers are no so so happy for them because they enter in the state of the market that was super difficult because of COVID and everything. But right now they maybe don't know how to bring money back, and they spend a lot trying to be in this magical business that is esports and that everyone in 2019 want to get in because. Everyone knows this is the future of the marketing on the advertising business because if your your son start playing with six years uh, Fortnite or something like that, and in your Fortnite game you engage at the six, uh, eight uh, Coca Cola or something like that, your son going to have that in the in the brain over. All his life, it depends how many time he spent uh, playing Fortnite or any game. And for that reason, it's a really good business as the advertising point of view. And for that reason, everyone know that esports will be like the next big thing over advertising. And for that reason, everyone want to uh, go in uh, in 2019, but nobody knows really about like the... Um, gaming culture that is behind that and it's not so easy just to take the the gamer as a consumer you have to understand a lot of things you have to play along with them uh, the game change all the time a game that is popular for five years maybe that the se seven year will not be popular no more and and we need that because we need that video game industry evolve all the time and i personally believe that is coming a game that will change everything and going to be like play soccer or basketball for esports. And I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that that game is doesn't as, exist in this moment. It's maybe developing in some laboratory in Santa Monica or something like that. But I think there's a game that will uh, going to change everything for everyone. And that is coming because Esports need that game. Maybe it's a, a update of a game that we already have or something like that. But, uh, but I personally don't believe that. I think it's a new game that will change everything and you can will play from your every phone and everyone going to wanting to play this and everything. One of the things I like hearing you talk about is esports is entertainment. And entertainment is based on content. I mean, if and and a lot of times people lose sight of that, or they just don't don't put the dots together. 
and they don't think of it, which, which I really like hearing you talk about, um, you know, just the entertainment aspect of esports. And you, what I hear you talking about is you're wanting to bring it into the mainstream. And I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit, because I think that's really curious because you're talking about, you know, there, there's, there's tons of content out there. And, you know, but a lot of times, as you're describing it, people don't think of esports as being entertainment the same way. And to bring it over and to be more in the mainstream, what has to happen there, do you think? I think that to, like, really uh, going into the mainstream is going to be, like, uh, because of a crisis, uh, job crisis. Because uh, I am looking about the automa automatization and the robots industry developing and taking like jobs and everything. I know in your podcast you you covered this subject before, but I think in some point people will be kind of forced to play on the phone or something like that to earn money. Play to earn will be like the like, like the mainstream thing in, in some moment. I think. And I think that is the, the, the moment that esports will take over because you are going to find on esports a possibility of developing yourself, having a salary or something like that. And I think that will be the break to the mainstream uh, connection for everyone with the game uh, esports and with the play to earn game model that I think is coming. Now. It's interesting to get your take on it because because you're someone who's out there doing things in this space. It's like you know a lot of people are you know talking about it and thinking about it, but you're out there doing things. And one of the things I wanted to, to talk to you a little bit more is about what you're doing in India because I think that is really interesting that you're in Chile and you've got these connections all over the world, but you somehow focus a lot of your attention on India. How did that come about, and how's that working for you? Because um, in 2020, I went over Brazil to see the opportunity if I can start with no play, no games, developing tournaments. Uh, we was thinking in that moment in Free Fire tournaments and Fortnite. And when I went over Brazil with pandemic in, in that time, I went in the time of the carnival, uh, was craziness over there. And I saw that it was not like a really good time for Brazil to try to develop like league or something like that because people was thinking in other things in that moment was everything so difficult to like to get the food to the table for the families and everything that maybe was a not so good time to start like developing this uh try to take over esports world over Brazil because uh to be honest uh in Brazil we was also looking for five or three million of uh concurrent viewers for like our final content that we want to develop to reach the one hundred millions. And after that when I realized that Brazil uh, was not in the the mood I think for trying to do what I was trying to, I I automatically think okay when I can I can look for that kind of numbers with kind of the same conditions because doing things in Brazil or in India is really cheap in this moment 
for example, with the with the same budget that maybe I will run only one tournament in the United States, I can do four in India. And paying really good money for people there that can provide like staying to their families and everything. Uh, and for that reason was for me, uh, I get inspired to work over India because I change some people's lives over there, uh, working with esports and doing these tournaments and organizing that things, uh, getting new devices for, for some, some players. And there's people that, for example, uh, it's not with my company anymore, but, uh, uh Kumar, uh, uh, a guy that I met over LinkedIn, uh, he uh, won like two or three tournaments of Free Fire here and he's paying the rent for his family. It's crazy how, uh, and his family cannot believe because it's money from video games and esports companies. And uh, that kind of things are pretty good. And for me, give my heart full of inspiration to continue to do things because maybe here in Chile, I have a, a pretty good situation. United States, I know uh, I was living there in, in 2019 and people in places like India or Brazil can do a lot with so few that if we concentrate the efforts over there, maybe we can get like some pretty incredible things from that places. No, that's 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 exactly what we're talking about here on this podcast is how how esports can create jobs, it can change lives, and you you just you just said it really really um, well there. So in India, you're when you're creating teams or, or creating tournaments in different parts of the world. I will start. Okay, I will start in India, like uh, sponsoring with my other revenues from what I was doing in United States and Chile and everything. I start sponsoring a tournament, give them like I don't know one thousand dollars per prices per prices to the tournament and everything. And after I sponsor a few tournaments. I get to know like the environment over there, how it works. And after that, I decide to go with the own tournament and with a few of own teams that we are in this moment developing. Uh, my personal, uh, my personal desire is to uh, develop a Dota uh, team. Uh, we are under construction over that. But in this moment, for me, it's getting really clearly to do tournaments because I'm getting like sponsors from the United States, uh, some people over Peru, uh, Argentina that, hey, I want to sell fruits over India and I'm sporting, I have a company and you can provide a tournament over there. Then one million people are looking for your tournament, are watching your tournament maybe can uh, help me to sell my product over there. And I, I came into this place without looking for that because I was trying to develop esports environment. But right now we are figuring out that we can provide like a marketing solution for companies that want to enter to India and sell their products. No, no, one of the things I really like hearing you talk about is um, sponsorship, because my my philosophy is follow the money, 
that's, that's what <laughs> makes things uh, make things happen. Now you were so you were a sponsor. You were you were a sponsor. Can you talk about from a sponsorship? Because a lot of people that are going to be listening are going to be uh, esports entrepreneurs, and most people are going to be saying, "How can I get sponsors?" Can you talk a little bit about from the sponsor perspective? What what is a sponsor looking for when they're looking for an event or a team to sponsor? What what kind of traits do you think stand out? Mm, in like in the particular case is different like the general case because for example I was looking to only to have presence in the India market with no play no games because in that time I was not looking to sell anything to them because I was trying to reach the audience trying to understand the audience to put numbers together over this content to 100 million that someday we, we want to, to, to launch. But after I get into the, and I start like uh, looking that like the, every regular company looks in a tournament or a team, like the traction that they get from the audience, uh, clicks, uh, current viewers, in the tournament, uh, if they, after the competence, have like other content on Twitch or social media or everything, uh, you are looking for visibility all the time, like brand presence and everything, because you cannot uh, ask to the esports organization to sell your product because it's not responsible from you as a brand put all that they, they are good in playing that game and and that that is okay and if they are good over uh, making a good marketing theme it's another another subject they you have to see as good as in, in what they are supposed to be good because I, I, I saw a lot of uh, companies uh, making this mistake of okay uh, we are going to sponsor your team, but you have to sell 100 chairs in six months, uh, gaming chairs, okay? And they don't deliver because they are not sellers. You, you know, uh, not every people on on Twitch or, or a streamer has to be a seller because people with good content will sell, obviously, but don't have to be the main uh, instruction for them because the audience, is, the, the gaming audience is pretty smart. The, when they start looking at you are trying to push something, some, something, some product or everything, they cut you away right away. That is a really interesting thing about the gaming culture and the gaming audience, that they don't let anyone sell everything, you know? But they uh, buy things as skins. Like it's, it's kind of difficult. I think uh, you need to have an MBA or something in gaming culture to understand pretty well the the economy flows of the gaming uh, com uh, community. What, what I hear you saying is that there's no blueprint, no there's no roadmap that everyone should be following. That when you went to India. You were looking at learning 
what the blueprint looked like in India, which is which is really I think a really smart way to do that. We could talk all all night here about uh, sponsorship because it's it's such a, a an important thing in any esports business, whether you have a team, whether you have a tournament. I was going to ask you also about mobile. Is mobile the future of esports in your part of the world? Yeah. Uh, without any doubt, I think will be for any company or anyone that understand a little bit about gaming. Uh, gaming has to be with uh, being relaxed, uh, being focused, uh, have your attention on that particular game. And for that reason, mobile will take everything because now you have your device all the time with you. And if you are in the subway or uh, or waiting for a doctor appointment, you can be competing on the esports competence. And that uh, that uh, that easy way of being part of this will take everything because you can be doing esports everywhere at any time. And with the advances in the technology of the uh, VLAN or Wi-Fi connection that is everywhere now, uh, things as incredible as with the war in Ukraine, they have like uh, the satellite internet from Elon Musk. And for esports, the internet connection is to have the ball. Without internet connection, you can do anything. And having the internet connection, the next thing is you have your mobile device that allows you to play everywhere in any part of the world with a good ping. Uh, you can be competing. And if you know that you don't have a good ping on your mobile device, you are not going to participate in the final of the Call of Duty from your from that moment because you know about that uh, gap. But I think uh, mobile will take everything. I think uh, we are we are uh, facing like the last seven or eight years of the uh, of the PlayStation, Xbox, or that maybe they will develop uh, mobile devices in the future. I don't know, but uh, will be super easy to change all the logics of esports. To mobile, I think uh, the new generations will adapt as natives to that. They don't need so much push to change on that way because they are already doing that. Yeah, that's what they grew up with. They did. They've never yeah. known. It's hard to believe there are people around that never knew the world before the internet or before everyone had a smartphone. And it's just yeah, it's it's just uh, amazing. Do you think that the mobile future is going to impact the um, sponsorship side of things? That is a really, really good question because I, I never thought about it. No, I, I never do a deep thinking about what you are uh, are saying right now. But of course, you will change it in pretty fascinating ways, I think. But in this moment, maybe I, I, I don't get to imagine how it will be. But of course, uh, Something have to change with that, with that uh, uh, mobile culture device uh, changes. Do you think? Do you think the games? Yeah. Do you think the games are keeping up with mobile? 
uh, I'm a personal user of Call of Duty Mobile, mobile, and I'm I play video games from my six years old. Uh, now I'm 34, and the first time that I play Call of Duty Mobile in a Samsung S22 device, like the last Samsung phone, I was like, wow. If I could have this in my hands as a kid, I was like blowing my mind. Uh, I, I was blowing my mind with uh, Super Mario Kart in a Super NES. Uh, with the and now have like a, a Call of Duty uh, a match in my phone, and then I can keep uh, killing one hundred people in a battle royale or something like that with a really good quality because have a, a, a amazing uh, FPR quality and everything that you can imagine uh, is is awesome. I, I think uh, you are not so far away from the developing of uh, uh, PS5 uh, mobile device with the same quality or something like that. I think with the advance in the ship technology that we are facing because COVID and everything, that the shortage we just have the last year, I think uh, technology will look like pretty amazing in the future. We are like in this moment that everything is changing and the uh, augmented reality, the artificial intelligence, when that collides with the video games, will be like mind blowing. Yes, yes, yes. It's it's going to be. Uh, it's always interesting to see how how things are changing. And that's, that's part of the fun because, again, there's no blueprint on uh, what's going on out there. Do you see mobile in-person tournaments showing up? Last year, when um, like the lockdown started to easing here in Chile, I went over Colombia to uh, study about some anti-corruption, to develop an anti-corruption technology for esports. That, that was I'm working in this moment right now. And I saw in Santiago the people from the Festi game uh, do a free fire tournament with in person uh, with mobile devices. They put like 10 chairs and 10 chairs and the people was playing a big screen over over the, the venue. And was pretty cool because uh, also facilitates for the operator that everyone came with the device and the connection and the logistic that you should do in a tournament uh, get so much easy with the device, uh, mobile device tournaments. And for that reason, I think the industry will adapt that like not so soon maybe because we need to leave a little more the, the uh, PS5, Xbox, uh, Nintendo last time of the big uh, devices, but I think the operators of the tournaments and the uh, 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 from the publishers uh, will prefer mobile in the future because it's cheaper for them to to do all this uh, structure for organizing the tournaments. Yes, Th things are always changing. Hey, one one last question here. And then we'll let you go. One last question that we ask everyone. Should the Olympics include esports? Of course. Why? Of course. 
Um, the, this is a, a, another pretty interesting question because in 2019, uh, one of the, the ideas of developing uh, audience, uh, we partner with a South Korean company called IEOC, International Esports Omnipotent Committee. And they was trying to put together the first Olympic uh, esports uh, intent. They was uh, talking with the Olympic committee and everything. And they do like a, a, a merge with the Olympic committee in Busan that year. They uh, made a citation over like 200 university teachers from all over Japan, um, South Korea, and some people from the United States to discuss about this possibility. And for me, it was pretty clear at the moment that everyone uh, do the comparison with the chess game because uh, it's the same, you know. Uh, when you play chess, you uh, made like another uh, span of calories and a lot of other things that your brain is doing uh, is different when you are uh, relaxed uh, watching Netflix on your television. You are not in the same mood and in the same state of conscience that when you are like competing with someone in Street Fighter or in Rocket League or anything. Like your brain put you in a different mode when you are competing with another human being or with with the uh, technology from a video game. Um, for that reason, I think there's no so much to debate because if chess get that category be considered, why not video games? It's like having quite similar features over like the competence behave that requires for a human being to be doing that. It's the same for, for chess. And for that reason, I think the discussion is like pretty simple in that kind of terms. Yes, I think I think it's on its way. I mean, it's just a matter of time. There's just there's there's so many good things for the Olympic side of it because they're 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 going to be in front of a different audience. But there's also a huge uh, benefit to esports. You get recognition um, by uh, that kind of an organization. Hey, Ulysses, I really appreciate your time. I, I don't want to take your whole whole night here, and and I. Didn't, I didn't have a chance. I didn't have a chance to talk about anti-corruption, and we'll do that again sometime because I think that's really interesting and something that esports entrepreneurs should be thinking about. But I'm going to save that for another time because we'll wrap it up here. So thanks again. Really great to hear more about what you're doing in South America, what you're doing in India, and all the great things, all the jobs that you are creating, all the lives that you are changing. That's that's great. So where can people find you online? Uh, at my email, that is Ulysses uh, at noplayingoutgames.com uh, and Instagram, UlyssesCF. Uh, there's my main uh, ways of contact in this moment because we are uh, having the website under construction yet because the technology developing that we are trying to take. And for the tournaments in India, we are using like local uh, distributors of content like local and other brands what what was the what was the instagram name again just so i get it right ulysses cf great yeah. great 
Hey, I invite everyone to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media. That way you're going to be notified when the next episode comes out. We're going to be talking to a lot of other esports entrepreneurs and really from all over the world. We're going to have some really good guests coming up later on that you don't want to miss, just like Ulysses. Thank you, Ulysses. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and a wonderful podcast. Wish you all the best, Leonard. Have a nice one. Thank you. Thanks for everyone for listening. This is the Gamers Change Lives podcast. Play games, create jobs, change lives. Thanks. <laughs>